0: I'm Jeff Stewart, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist and the host of this podcast, From Crisis to Connection. This is a podcast about relationships. The relationships with others, of course, but also the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with our higher power. I believe we experience our deepest joys when we're in harmony with these relationships. But when we lose that connection to ourselves and others through our own unhealthy behaviors like addictions infidelity, secrecy, abuse, and so on, or we lose it by being betrayed by someone else's choices, it throws us into crisis. Getting out of crisis and living in connection isn't always straightforward or easy, but it is possible. And that's why every week I bring you incredible guests who share their life experiences and expertise to help you move from crisis to connection. Welcome, I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome back. It's good to be with all of you once again. And I'm really excited today for this episode. I've invited Seth and Melanie Studley. They are the podcasters behind The Anatomy of Marriage, The Anatomy of Family, and The Anatomy of Sex. Those are three separate podcasts and they are very busy and doing a lot of good. Seth is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a high-performance marriage coach. And Melanie Studley is an audio engineer and also joins with her husband, Seth, in doing high-performance marriage coaching and helping couples just get to a better place. They're just fantastic. And I'm so glad that they're going to join me on their show. They're going to tell a little bit about their story, but specifically in the, in the context of growth mindset. A lot of couples who do recovery work that are healing from betrayal, that are trying to get out of crisis, getting to that connection piece is really challenging for a lot of people. There's so much focus sometimes on individual work and that part feels really safe. But then how do you grow together as a couple? Well, Seth and Melanie are going to talk with us about that today using their own story and the examples from a lot of the couples and folks that they've worked with over the years, and I'm just really happy that they've been willing to come on here and share all of this with us. So, let's jump right in to my interview with Seth and Melanie Sedley from The Anatomy of Marriage. All right, well, welcome to the podcast, Seth and Melanie. Thanks for joining me. Thank yeah. Thank you so
1: much for having us. Thanks,
0: Jeff. How's it going down there? Oh, my goodness, it's great. Yeah. Just love being here. And I'm just so grateful you guys were willing to make some time for us today. And today we're going to talk about growth mindset in marriage. And you guys are no strangers to growth. I know a little bit about your story. You told me that there had been, you were sort of thrown into the deep end of having to confront some stuff, which was very shocking to you, Melanie, as far as having to deal with betrayal and then digging out of that. Mm -hmm. And of course, Seth, having to confront all of that. And, you know, listeners, I've already said this in the introduction, but just as a reminder, you know, Seth is also a therapist, like he's a marriage mm-hmm. family therapist like I am. And, and so, you know, none of us get to escape doing this kind of work. It's not like therapists get a free pass from having to confront their stuff. So, right. so I have a ton of respect for anyone who's willing to do the work and especially not hide behind a title or a, a degree. So that's awesome. But why don't you just jump in and just maybe give my listeners a little bit of maybe the headlines or the Reader's Digest version of, you know, where you really accelerated having to jump into some deep growth work for you guys.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, my name is Seth. And this is my wife, Melanie. And we have a show called Anatomy of Marriage Podcast. And I was in graduate school. And we were also attending a church at, at the time. This was about, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably. Yeah. Um, around two thousand twelve year, 12 years. 12 ago. years ago. And so a lot of stuff going on, right? We had just given birth to our second son. I had like three jobs, internships, all kinds of stuff. And it was just bonkers, right? And then I was like, wait a minute. Okay, something's not right here. I need to... So Melanie had asked me, she's like, just casually, Hey, you know, do you have a problem with like lust or pornography or other women kind of thing? And I was like, of course, I lied to her because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people do when they get asked that question. Mm -hmm. They're like, they feel convicted to some degree and go, Oh, I don't want to make it worse. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll just like white knuckle this and you know, whatever. And there's like different levels of, I think addiction. Well, there are different levels of addiction, I guess. And I never was like, Super addicted to porn is just something I grew up with, and just like, oh, yeah, okay, it's just normal, right? But never sex addict, sex addiction into the throes of that. But I still lied about it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Ah, I don't want to lie to my wife. That's just not the type of relationship that I want. And I know that it's not healthy, right? So after some praying and like, you know, thinking, I was like, okay, hey, Melanie, I lied to you. Yeah, I was doing this. Sorry, right? And of course, she was postpartum. It was two weeks after we had our kid, right? right. Our second kid. Our second kid. So of we course, one year
1: old. Yeah, yeah. We have a one year old <sighs> sleeping in the bedroom oh in his goodness. crib, and I have a two week old in my arms asleep. And uh. he, like, totally out of the blue, and we're at home, just said, "Hey, I have a confession," and I'm like, "What?" You know, like, because here I am trying to like make sure this doesn't happen. I was like, "Right." Hey, do you have a problem with this? Mm-hmm. We can talk to a counselor or whatever. And he's like, "No, no, no." And then he confessed, mm-hmm. and when he confessed, I like fell to a million pieces. Right, and that was really kind of the start of our journey of of growth and all of that because I fell apart. Like he did the right thing, mm-hmm. but I fell apart and I was terrible. I gave him a black eye at one. Yeah, that's
2: that's what I was gonna say. What it, this our whole story wasn't just like oh we had a hard time and I confessed I'm like oh okay mm-hmm. this is awkward this is uncomfortable. No, like our whole world unraveled. Right, we were like almost gonna get divorced. Well, she was suffering from postpartum depression
0: and just general overwhelmment. And right. but before that, before the we before were, the disclosure, you were already struggling, Melanie, with yeah postpartum depression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And then even before that, like years, we were looking for we were looking towards each other right. to like make us happy. You know that, you know, misnomer. Oh, you complete me in mm-hmm. marriage. Like, OK, I'll get married. Everything will be OK. Right we were just deep into that and like the wall was completely over our eyes so yeah. that exacerbated mm-hmm. every other problem right like i said she gave me a black eye that's crazy of course you know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face kind of thing <laughs> oh and gosh. then we just like had to unravel for like a year and a half yeah. oh, wait my a gosh, minute what even guys. what right. even does this marriage mean what does marriage mean right. who am i what's going on so a lot of Really deep soul searching, mm-hmm. a lot of therapy too. Right. We went to marriage and family therapy and well, then really unraveling that. Right. And then, so that's what sets us apart from just like, okay, yeah, confession, blah, blah, blah. But then after that, we were like, wait a minute. You know, in, in therapy, sometimes we say, don't let a good crisis go to waste. That totally. Thing. Because there are often lessons that have to be learned, mm-hmm. lessons that are just dumped in your lap saying, you can take this and learn from it, grow from it, get stronger from it, or you can ignore it. And then guess what? More likely than not, you're going to be worse off for it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come back right. around again. It's like that Sigmund Freud quote, which I butcher every time. But it's like, <laughs> basically, things left unsolved, unresolved, always come back later in uglier ways, mm-hmm. basically. Right. right? It's like that dirt that you sweep under the rug. It's still there. You just can't see it. But you know when you
0: lift up the rug, it's going to be even grosser because they got wet. And now it's moldy and nasty <laughs> and... Blech, yeah, like, it's so true, so, Seth. I mean, so many people when there's a crisis, I, th- I think this is such a tendency, it's human nature. I've done it in my own life. A lot of, of course, clients I've worked with, it's like, we want to just rush from the scene of the crime so fast and just get back to normal, whatever that even means, and leave all this, all this work undone because we're just like getting away from the smoke and the flames, and then we feel better. But you're right, like there's so much that gets unresolved and then it eventually comes up later. It will, like the Mm. work will find you somewhere.
1: Mm, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the work
0: always find you. And we we tell coaching
2: clients, at least I do when I'm talking to guys, oftentimes the only way out of something is through. Mm -hmm. The only way out is through, right? If I want a different body, say that I want to, you know, lose 20 pounds or whatever, there's no way that I'm going to do that unless I'm willing to go to through the work Mm -hmm. to get to the other side of what it is I actually want. And it's hard work. It's scary. It gets you out of your comfort zone, right? So we took all this mess and turned it into our message. We created the podcast that we wish we had when we were in the throes of every night for, um, you know, a year, 2 a.m. fights, this, Mm -hmm. she's texting me. I'm leaving. I want a divorce, all just crazy, crazy stuff. So we took all that. Like, okay, we're not going to let this go to waste. We have to, I don't know, like synthesize it into something actually helpful actually productive Mm -hmm, in that way.
1: And one of the things that stands out to me as we're talking about transformation and growth and all of that is that during this time, like Seth did make a bunch of huge changes that I was asking him to make, but I was on the other end of that saying, that's not enough, that's not enough, it's not enough, you're not doing right, I'm still not happy until I finally realized he can't make me happy. (laughs) He can't do it. He can't be the source of my joy. He can't be all of the things that I had sort of been putting onto him and so until I figured that out, I he could have given me everything I asked for. Mm-hmm. I still would have been a miserable, miserable person. And that's where... That's the real trick. When you have gotten everything you've asked for from your spouse and you're still miserable, that's when you got to look inside and actually transform yourself. And that's really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not easy stuff to come by. in marriage. In the marriage space, you get a lot of just like sort of wrote advice, like do that, say more nice things. And that doesn't cut it for some people. And so that's why we started our show.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And and it is, it's such a fine line of, you know, having expectations and, and needing some level of, you know, your partner doing things to restore a certain balance or restore some sanity or just create conditions that are healthy. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you know, like you're saying, that's probably more for the relationship and the stability than it is more about fix me, right? Do these things right. and fix me versus right. do these things so like there's at least conditions where we can both grow.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it's almost like I think of it like in like a garden sense, you know, like if you are if you have raspberries over here and like a pear tree over here, they need different care. They don't have the same care needs. And if one of the if the gardener's like, well, I'm only going to take care of this one plant. What do you think's gonna happen to the other one? Yeah. He's gonna die. You're not yeah. watering this one if you're if all the attention is on this one. And I guess this is sort of my plea to wives because I see this often in our coaching with our coaching clients, wives especially, that they want all of the nurturing, all of the watering, all of the care and attention, and then they completely neglect their husband, and it just starts this awful cycle mm-hmm. of my needs, my needs, my needs. I don't even care what you need. And that's what I was doing until we got snapped out of it. Right. You know.
0: Yeah, well, and I think you're neglecting yourself too. If you're just right, if you're just getting all the care for yourself, I think there's maybe kind of a hidden dynamic going on there. Where I think part of what we need as humans is to know that we can be there for other people too. I mean,
1: right. we're oh, not.
0: Yeah. It's not just a one way street of just receiving, receiving, receiving. Because I, I think that that's a dead end.
1: Absolutely. In, for our own right. growth,
0: yeah, it doesn't require yeah, anything yeah. of us. There's no sacrifice. There's no vulnerability. None of that. Right.
1: Right, That's one of the best point. quotes I've ever heard is when it's actually Joyce Meyer talks about it when she talks about people being unhappy, and she says, "Start with getting yourself off of your mind. Stop <laughs> thinking about what you need all I the time." I love that. I know, and it's so hard count?
0: when you're in trauma because it's like it's so consuming, Mel. I mean, you know this. Like it's it's yeah. like you are on fire, so you are asking for buckets of water, and some of that is appropriate in the beginning, but then that can become a way of of thinking almost like other people have to be in charge of helping me feel comfortable.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: almost like having all the food and just eating
2: anything you want and having unlimited amounts of it, you know, like, okay, I have a freezer full of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's going to get old really fast. But when I say, well, okay, Ben and Jerry's is responsible for me being happy. I'll eat more. What's wrong with Ben and Jerry's? Right. Like, No, get yourself off of your stupid freezer of Ben and Jerry's. Go out and do something different, right?
0: So for you guys in, in your journey, in terms of the growth, I mean, you know, obviously you being willing to come out of hiding and get honest and get real about this, you know, after lying about it and, and such. I mean, you were on a, you, obviously you were starting to look like really grapple with your own growth process there, Seth. But, and then of course, Melanie, you kind of get invited into it by mm-hmm. the disclosure and start a journey you didn't know you were going to take. Mm-hmm. And at what point for you guys, just as you look back on those, you know, this has been you said twelve years, and of course you can talk about it now in a way that you never could have in the beginning. Right. But where in that process do you feel like it started to shift from, you know, each of you just being focused on what you need and just trying to like stabilize to like together as a couple, we're going to start like deliberately pushing and growing and. And holding mm-hmm. each other accountable because I, I think this is a hard transition for a lot of couples because it's almost oh, like yeah. Yeah. it stays in the one down right. Well, you betrayed me, so you're just going to be in the doghouse perpetually forever, right. and you're going to be kissing my butt forever, and so that's just mm-hmm. going to be our marriage. So where do you feel like it started to really level out? Where you felt like we're both now working more in unison? That's a great question. I'm so glad
2: you brought it up because it started with what I decided to mm-hmm. do for myself. Right, I you know, clearly couldn't control if she was going to punch me in the face or not, or her words or her actions or whatever she's blaming me for. like, okay, I hear you, but I cannot control that. Mm -hmm. So I had to go, all right, Seth, what are you going to do? And there was a point and I remember it distinctly. I said, okay, I am going to live like Melanie owes me nothing. Wow. I'm not going to expect anything from her. Mm -hmm. And that's not like... Okay, you're a loser. I don't expect anything good from right. you. It's not that. It wasn't that. I'm not expecting to get my contentment, my joy, my happiness, anything basically from her at this time. And that did, I think, a couple of things. It, and I didn't really tell her that, but implicitly, I think she figured it out. If you I, had
1: told me that, I'd have been so mad at you. Right. You, you
2: couldn't, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right. It yeah. would have been damaging. Right. But yeah. that did two things. For her, I believe that it took, kind of an unconscious pressure off of her mm-hmm. to some degree, and then really took a very conscious, direct pressure off of me and put the spotlight on myself, which is what I needed at the time. Okay, Seth, what makes you happy? Where are you content? What is your work to do? Where can you lean into this? Where do you need to put the brakes on certain things or like, you know, checking out or whatnot? And then I said, because we're we're Christian, we grew up Christian. So spirituality was a big part of our healing, right? And I said, OK, I don't know what else to do, because clearly what I'm doing isn't working. Right. And no fault of either person. I was like, oh, OK, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to pray. And mm-hmm. I set prayer alarms. And we prayed for about one and a half years mm-hmm. straight, no matter what. Like when I say no matter what, literally no matter what. Right. Meetings, asleep, kids, whatever, alarm goes off. OK, we're praying. And so that and was would pray like together. the morning. That was like a couple's prayer. Yes. Yes. A couple's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So it was in the morning, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3pm, 6pm, and then bedtime. Yeah. No matter what. Right. And sometimes I would call and say, Hey, I'm going to pray. She wouldn't say anything. She'd be like super pissed or whatever. And like, okay, well, I at least know that prayer
1: is the right thing to do. A good thing to do.
2: It's like, okay, everybody in the world, no matter where you come from or who you are, saving money for a rainy day is a good idea. right? (laughs) Right. And in my case, Leaning on God in that, leaning on prayer is like that's the only thing I know to do. Mm-hmm. She can say anything about it, good or bad, but I'm still going to be resolute in in that. So right. those two things were like the the crux, like the turning points mm-hmm. of how I felt about right. our marriage and how I showed up. And when what he was it says, you?
1: when he he set prayer alarms, so I wanted to be very clear. Right on the phone, right five times a day, mm-hmm. five times a day for over a year, and that was a huge deal. And that consistency helped me. My turning point, but for me, the biggest turning point, the transition, was that it just kept getting worse. The harder I tried to do what I thought was the right thing, it literally ended up in more arguing, more crying, more screaming, more being angry, more wanting a divorce. And I remember, <laughs> I'm not—we're not trying to make this overly spiritual, but this is just like what our actual story no, is. It's your journey. I remember. Yeah. Re- yeah, I remember like reading the Bible cuz I was trying to find ways to like biblically zing him. I was like, "Oh yeah, the God Oh, there's some good
0: ones in there." And oh yeah. I know,
1: right? <laughs> so I was like looking for biblical zingers and so there I am looking through my Bible to try to be mean to my husband and there was some, you know, like verse like God hates this, but he hates this even more. And when I read it, I was like, "Wait, what it says God hates is exactly what I'm doing to my husband. Like uh... I'm treating him like garbage. I'm bitter." I'm pulling the ashes into my own lap and wondering why I'm getting burned and then yelling at him for it. So it really was this like eye-opening moment of I am terribly messing up right now. And the only thing, again, that we could lean on or I could even lean on was, well, he's praying five times a day. It's about all I got, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. it, But it is a slow process that has to start with just looking in the mirror. What am I doing to make this worse? Even though I didn't make the sort of incident happen or whatever, like I didn't cause that. But what am I doing to not let it heal faster? You know mm-hmm. what I mean. I might keep ripping the bandaid off every time we make progress. Kind of a vibe.
0: Yeah, boy, and and you're right. That is, and some people listen to this, you know, some betrayed partners maybe listening to this, going like, I'm not there yet. I can't look at myself yet. That's fine. Like mm-hmm. a lot. I think a lot of people early on in this process right. need space and time just to be in trauma. Like that's mm-hmm. that's just a very biologically challenging time because your body and your emotions are all over the place. But you're right. You come right. to a point where your body and your your whole physical sense and your spirit and everything is just like, I'm miserable, this isn't working. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't, like you said, it wouldn't matter whether he was doing everything perfectly, or whatever mm-hmm. that even means. I still right. have to look at what I'm contributing, how I'm reacting to this. I love what you got, you know, when you talk about those two things, I just want to review them real quick. When you say like, I had to look at what I could do for my, like I had to take charge and take responsibility and not filter everything through how is this, how is she going to like this or not like this? Or is this going to work or not work? And you're just getting, otherwise you lose your own voice, Seth, right? Like you lose your own ability to even know what your compass is. And like, then what would you have to offer her? You'd have to offer nothing Mm -hmm. if, if you're basically just, you know, just working for her all the time, instead of bringing her, offering her something. And so getting clear on that, I love that. And then this other part, which when I think about the praying together, you know you talk about leveling the field there it's it's a very vulnerable thing to step into even if you were just quiet half the time melanie there's something about mm-hmm. you both entering and kind of coming to god at the same time mm-hmm. both as broken desperate people there's something mm-hmm. really beautiful uh, kind of visually about that for me and both kind of acknowledging and recognizing that you both need help instead mm-hmm. of well he's the one that clearly needs the help because he did right. all this stuff to me and i'm fine wherever right. you're coming from you both are coming and saying like we're both hurting and there's something really mm-hmm connecting about that strangely,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean that from crisis to connection, right? Yeah. The whole thing is like, we're, Hey, we're, that we're, has we're, a good we're, ring we're, to it. Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, imagine <laughs> that. But in that there's, that was kind of, well, that was so me praying and her even saying, I don't know if you ever said, well, prayer is stupid. It doesn't work or anything. I don't, I don't think, think you so, ever said but... anything like that, but you weren't like the most encouraging at times, yeah. right? Because you were clearly is
1: basically a porcupine, angry um, every time. That's right.
2: But I would ask, you know, the husbands, the men who are, are leading this. You know, I had to lead that. And does yeah. does a leader know what's on the other side of the hill? Is like the opposing army going to be there and you know ready guns blazing? Love or that. Or is it going to be oh okay that's another mm-hmm. that's another thing. Here's a trail that we can go. You don't know, right? right? But you have to step out of your comfort zone first of all. Yes. And then go okay. I'm not sure. It's like I was saying like saving money. I know that's a good idea. I knew that praying was mm-hmm. a good idea and then okay, I'm just going to trust that. Yep,
0: the army might be on that other side, but here we're going to go. Right. We're going for it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and there is a lead element to it like you said. You were the one that was lying and and crossing all these lines and so you do and you took the lead by opening up and and yeah, there is a tremendous amount of vulnerability. And then at some point you know, at some point you're both are kind of entering this space of, of, you know, more working together. Where do you feel like that started to happen where you feel like this became, you really kind of felt like it was kind of our thing together now, instead of just him doing his thing, you doing your thing, where do you feel like it started to really cross over into our thing? Mm -hmm. There's always an individual piece, right? That doesn't go away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. Where, where do you mm -hmm. think it turned the corner for you?
1: I think it, like you're saying, it started with the individual part of us saying, wait, this is what I need to do for myself to be balanced and healthy and right. in alignment with this bigger vision. But then when it started to join together, I think it was for me anyway, was when I started reading books like The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod and studying different self, like self development, personal health, whatever I'm trying to say, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. growth books. And that was really when I was, I essentially, it made me brave enough to conquer this alone and then. Do it with Seth. Like, Mm -hmm. that was, I think, where I really needed that, like, guidance. Like, I needed someone Mm -hmm. to give me a map of how to do it. What do I do every day? Mm -hmm. And that for me felt like the beginning of the transition where we started reading things together. And
2: and luckily, I like How Elrod and Miracle Morning was very, very influential because Mm -hmm. that was literally one of the first kind of books in that genre that we both read together. So now we're on the same trajectory together Mm -hmm. of self-improvement, growth mindset,
1: etc. And with shared language and shared tools. And shared
2: language. And then not only that, but with our coaching clients, we often talk about, okay, what is our shared vision?
1: Individually?
2: Well, what is your ideal independent vision? And then what is your shared vision in marriage? Right, Mm -hmm. And because we all have that whether we know it or not from family of origin, from culture, because nobody says, well, I don't know, let's get married and I don't know, things will be cool. It's, well, okay, what's the definition of things will be cool? Well, right. we'll, we'll, you know, live a happy, productive life, right? So we all have a shared vision to some degree, or at least an independent vision. And our shared vision was really always in alignment. We didn't want to get divorced. Mm-hmm. We had kids. So we're like, I mean, we didn't stay in it for the kids, of course, but we knew it's like, okay, we're, we can get over this, right? So there was a, like a a small spark always of like, we can get through this. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, guess what? Miracle Morning comes in. Okay. We're both, you know, read that. Now the next book, now the next podcast, now the next sermon. Mm -hmm. And that just was
1: was 10X compound effect all
2: over the place. And that is what kind of brought us to Mm -hmm. the, or, and we're still on that trajectory Now, yeah, and and
1: I will say, I often tell people like, don't stay in your marriage for your kids. Transform your marriage for your kids. Mm -hmm. Like, don't stay in a miserable. Yeah, don't stay miserable. Transform your marriage for your kids. Do that work if Mm -hmm. you want to stay married for your children. Because that was one of our biggest sort of motivators. Was we have these little boys that I didn't want to have them without their dad, and he's an excellent father. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody else to be their dad. I want him to be their dad. Right. Although I hated him at the time, right? <laughs> you can see how there's a conflict here. <laughs> I know. Yep. I know.
0: I know. Yeah, for sure. And so so really, as you're both, I mean, I, I love what you're saying. As you're both working hard at owning your own journeys and really working on self-improvement, you know, just really working on understanding how you're affecting yourselves and each other, it's almost like you have something in common now. Like you're both sharing mm-hmm. oh, information, yeah. you're sharing these journeys, and they just start to naturally converge together. mm hmm mm-hmm. And I do, Melanie. I tell you, like it, this is a really hard thing for a betrayed partner. And I have so much compassion. I've done this with so many people, but it's a hard shift for a lot of betrayed. And I mostly work with betrayed women. It's a really hard shift for them right. to make to mm-hmm. sort of lock arms and work together as a team instead right. of just wanting to be the passive recipient. Do Do you remember there mm-hmm. being a, I guess, a decision point for you? I mean, you talked about. You know, studying the Bible and looking and trying to get these biblical zingers, which I love that phrase. That should be the name of a band or something. It's really kind of cool. <laughs> um, oh, that was good. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but was that sort of that moment for you where you recognized, okay, like I absolutely have to, I have to start like either working with him or, or, you know, just own mm-hmm. the fact that I'm, that yeah. I'm fighting this? Where, where was that shift for you? Yeah.
1: Well, I would love to say it was a moment, but it was like a million moments. It was a moment <laughs> every time I had the opportunity to not do it, you know, and it was a yeah. choice. So, there, but it was that, that moment, the sort of the first time it happened was laying on the floor, trying to get the biblical zingers and realizing I'm doing all of these terrible things I'm accusing him of. And so that was the first time. But then the next opportunity that came up was, you know, maybe in the kitchen. Twenty seconds later, when he says, "Where are the bulls? and I say, "You know where the bulls are." Right? I have an opportunity <laughs> at that time to be nice or mean. And yeah. it, so, this is the thing I would say to a partner who has is walking through betrayal or trying to heal from this: is it's not a one and done thing. It's every, and it almost reminds me of like someone talked about this idea of like the pathways in our brain being like a, a snowy field with no sled tracks yet. And the, the very first time you sled down a snowy field, you make it in like a rut. And then the sled is always going to go to that low rut because it knows it's there, right? If you sit on the edge of it, it's going to pull you right back in. And we have to remember, like we're trying to heal from something. We're trying to do it different. When we feel that pull, when it feels normal, the pull is normal feeling. That's when we know we're doing it wrong. That's when I felt, when I felt, quote, normal, I was yelling at him. Oh, when I felt normal, I that's was right. blaming him right? So the hardest part about this work is that it feels very abnormal. It feels very awkward because you have to be nice when you want to rip someone's head off. You have to be quiet when you want to cuss them out. And it's the weirdest, hardest work because it's all, almost all of it's in your head. Mm -hmm. There's no outward doing other than stopping. I mean, if you're like me, I was a very outwardly like... I'm gonna say you're bad and mean and all these terrible things.
2: Right, and I, right. I think one one thing too, because this just kind of came to me. I guess my therapist brain is coming in. So for like working with you, Jeff, working with mostly women, and then the women who have been betrayed, create really clear boundaries mm-hmm. for yourself too, because yeah. this can be done right. in a super good way. Like I was, and this isn't a boastful thing. When I was like, "Hey, that was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. gonna cut that out of my life. Right. Yeah. And then that's was, I don't well, I don't say made it easier. No, but it, it did. It, and I want well, to say it easier. that it enabled right. the healing to take place. Right. right. So if folks are out there in a, in a relationship where the guy, you know, maybe confessed or, or maybe even the, the, the lady too, but they're continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, other person, what are your very strong boundaries of, you know what? I would like to work on this, but this is behavior that is acceptable. This is unacceptable. Right. And then stick with those boundaries yeah. because the worst thing ever is like, you know, serial cheaters right. or serial betrayers. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Then the, then the other partner comes back in. That's where the other individual really has to do some mm-hmm. some hard, hard So you have to have really clear and delineated boundaries. Yeah. In that. And I
1: want to use a weird analogy, but I think it's it, it's easier for people to understand. So it starts with a story. Quick story. In December of last, last year, I cut my hand open with a chainsaw. That's a crazy story. Okay. The top them like legit, cut it open with, like, I was looking at my bone. And it takes a lot to heal from that. It cuts over knuckles, all these things. So I have stitches, bandages, all this stuff. Now, let's say Seth was the one holding the chainsaw. He wasn't. But let's say emotionally in a relationship, he cheats on me, he does whatever. He goes zap and he gets my hand and it's cut wide open. I have to do a lot of right up front things. I had to go to the ER, do all that stuff, right? But then if he cheats again, looks again, lies again, yells at me, it's like he's ripping all the band-aids off and cutting the stitches out. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? It's going to rip open again. Every time that you go back into that injury and you do something again, you poke at it, you jam. I mean, you couldn't hardly tap my finger on something. It hurts so bad. It's just like that. So an emotional injury is very, very similar. And when one partner is just like re-injuring that wound, it's going to get infected. It's going to get to the point where it can never heal. Like you can't heal a cut if you don't keep it there, cover it keep it wrapped. Like Seth did essentially all the right things in mm-hmm. that time, which I always have to, I'm glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. he made it easier for me to heal because he did not keep tearing at those bandages. He didn't keep re-wounding that injury. You know Like what I it mean? made
0: it possible for you to look at yourself instead of just playing defense all the time because you weren't safe.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. You're going to guard mm-hmm. the wound and spend all your time trying to like not get hurt again. Yes. And, and that's a very sensible and wise thing to do if you've got active mm-hmm. betrayal going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But where you had put the fire out and you were like accountable and, and holding space and being respectful and trying to work on your stuff, mm-hmm. Seth, like all that was left to do for you, Melanie, was to sort of like figure out like, OK, what's my move mm-hmm. now? What am I going to do yeah. over time? Right?
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. And yeah. before until I released that bitterness and decided to heal, I was the one taking the bandages off. yeah it was that's me a good point yeah. like it was me for a long time going yeah. no I'm mad I'm mad I want to I want to hold on to this hurt yeah and at one point in the early kind of early in the healing process of the actual marriage stuff, I reread a journal of all the things I had written when everything went down. And I read the pages and immediately my heart sank. I felt miserable. I felt awful. And I made a choice then. I ripped those pages out and burned them. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to go back there. I'm not going that direction. Why am I keeping this stuff? I don't need memories of this. And that was another sort of like releasing, almost like a ceremonial, like I'm moving forward. I'm making a choice. And again, though, that doesn't mean that that rut disappeared. It didn't mean that I was not inclined to be drawn back into yelling at him or blaming him for my happiness or unhappiness. But it did, it helps to like eliminate um, anything that would suck me back into that sadness mm-hmm. in that journey. But it, it's a hard journey. I mean, it's, it's a serious, serious thing. And that's why we do our show. We know how hard it is. We've yeah. walked there.
0: Yeah, we've know? been there before. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's obvious. And you guys have put in the work and are talking openly about it, which is so encouraging and helpful. And yeah, I love the fact that you guys are dedicating your lives to helping couples navigate this because there is so much confusion. And it's yeah. not a one size fits all. So to hear stories and to really get examples and to really kind of custom fit where, where you fall onto this. And, I, and you know, like the old AA saying, right, take what fits and, or take, you know, and leave some leave what doesn't for somebody else. There's a lot of your story that will resonate with people in other parts where they're like, no, my, my husband wasn't safe like that. Or my, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, or my wife won't look at herself and won't do that work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's, there's all kinds of variants and In this recovery process, but for couples that are ultimately going to grow together post betrayal, I think what you guys are describing to me, those are pretty standard principles. Those are pretty standard Mm -hmm. guideposts, which is obviously he creates safety, takes deep accountability, leads forward, enters this space where there's no guarantees and lots of vulnerability. She obviously stops like trying to like, as you say, keep opening her own wounds, Mm-hmm. And then opens up to how she's reacting in the process as she's, you know, doing self-care and trying to heal. And and then eventually there is there's there is that decision point of, are we going to do this together and build something better than we had before? And it's mm-hmm. not the fault of the relationship that people lie and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there is, I think, a missed opportunity for a lot of couples to grow from this together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And what I think is amazing, and it's very hard, I would never have believed this if you'd have told me this 12 years ago. That on the other side of this, because I believed, I remember saying out loud, I will never love him ever again. I will never be happy again. I will spend the rest of my marriage underneath what happened and I'll be miserable, but I'll stick in it for the kids and I'll try and I'll whatever. I remember having that very, very strong feeling. But now I have never been happier ever. I have never we've never had a stronger marriage than we have now. We've never had better connection better everything. I mean, yeah. our whole this, what we're doing right now with you would have never happened right. had we not gone through that. And it, it was such a point where we chose to grow. So my my best friend just bought me a mug. It says, grow through what you go through. And I thought, I like that's that. brilliant. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's the cutest thing ever. Grow <laughs> through what you go through. You're going to go through it anyway. Might as well grow. Yeah. Right. And right. so that for me is really it. I mean, had we not gone through this and had we not chosen to change ourselves and taken it as a almost like a invitation mm-hmm. to grow. We would not have what we have right now. We wouldn't be coaches. We wouldn't have a third kid. We wouldn't be on your podcast. So it's it's almost hard to believe that this is how we got here from that incident. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which is yeah. just weird. It's mind boggling. Yeah. But, it is.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Well and and that's just it. Like you're saying, we're going through stuff and every day there's opportunities. Like you said, everything from handing a or you know, telling your your spouse where something is in the house when you're mad and hurting all the way from big betrayals and disclosures and things like that, like there's just opportunities every day for us to decide if we're going to stay in a growth mindset or just continue to protect ourselves. And Mm -hmm. man, it is gut-wrenching work, but I love the fruits of it. I love what you guys are bringing and what you've done and what you're sharing with people on your podcast and and your other efforts. I mean, it's just so inspiring. Any sort of parting words for couples that are hearing this or you know, even individuals who might be hearing this and thinking, oh my goodness, like I missed the boat on this or I don't know if it's too late or my partner's not cooperating. Mm-hmm. Like what sort of encouragement or closing thoughts do you guys have about this process of of growing individually and together? Yeah, I would say and everything I'm thinking
2: of is like an old adage or some sort of cliché I'm like, okay, I want to be like the cliche dude all over the place. That's cool. <laughs> she but, just
0: shared a really cool coffee mug saying so. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, okay, we're good.
2: <laughs> There's the green light, right? But I mean, those those sayings are around for a reason. That's because right. Because if we actually, if we just look at them for face value, I've heard that a thousand times, whatever. But if you are going through something similar to what Melanie and I went through, there is an other side mm-hmm. to it, right? And yes. And with Therapy clients, I would use this thing mainly with clients who had depression and stuff like, okay, there's the... I'm in a blue sky right now. There's a gray cloud coming my way. Coming my way. Here it comes. Okay, that gray cloud is over me right now. Right? Depressed in bed. Okay, I'm really going through a hard time right now. Symptoms are exacerbated by all kinds of stuff. But at some point, guess what? That cloud does go away, right? Basically, we have good days and bad days. Well, okay, mm-hmm. no dust, Seth. Super good advice, right? <laughs> but if we can go, wait a minute, let me just really think about that and say, okay, I do have hope, mm-hmm. right? I don't have... And if your husband or wife they're being weird and a jerk, okay, don't put your hope in them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Put your hope in what you can control, what your vision is for yourself, for your family, and you actually can have that. Now, is that an easy fix? Are you just going to have it by listening to one podcast or going to one therapy session? No, we made the commitment to be like, okay, we say this to coaching clients. If we want to take the island, whatever that island metaphorically, that metaphorical island is for you, you got to burn the boats, right? Right. So I knew that I did not want divorce. Okay. What is it going to take? It's going to take you know, spare time of watching, you know, the office reruns or something like that, or just poking around or doing, you know, wasting time. No, all that's out. Mm -hmm. Replaced with podcasts, sermons, readings, books, therapy, deep dive into my own stuff, Mm -hmm. right? That is the work it takes. So the only way out of something is through and you actually can control it. You Mm -hmm. can control it. So that's what I would
0: say. I love that. And don't get hung up. Sorry, Melanie. It's like real quick, Seth. Like, And don't get hung up on whether or not your partner is going to join you in that because you can't Mm -hmm. do anything about that. You just show up in the big way and do your work and invite them into that space. Right. And then hopefully you'll do it together. But I think a lot of people sort of wait to say, like, well, are they going to do anything?
1: Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, what, like with the prayers, like, okay, I'm doing this with or without you.
2: Right, and that wasn't a diss to her. I'm doing this with or yeah, without. Needed to happen. You're I, I invite you every time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and my
1: mind follows right in suit with that. Where it's like, cast a vision. And I, the only <laughs> the perfect analogy comes to my mind is when you go on a vacation, you don't just like oh, I'll go somewhere. You have a vision of where you want to go. I want to go to Mexico, like really, really bad. I actually want to go to Mexico. <laughs> I cast a vision for going to Mexico. I got to figure out how do I get there. What do I buy to go there? What what food am I going to eat when I'm there? Mm-hmm. Literally, have that much. Sort of vision for your healed marriage, as you would for a vacation you're going to plan somewhere, right? Say, okay, I want the, my marriage to look like this in six months, and then you just start walking towards that goal. You and again, like you said, mm-hmm. praying every day, inviting me in. Invite your spouse. Say, hey, have you ever, have you ever been to Mexico? Let's go. You know, like mm-hmm. say it's so cool over there. Let's do this together. And in the end, even if your partner chooses not to join you, you'll be in Mexico and happy, right? <laughs> like. In the end, you'll have so work you're saying, on
2: your... <laughs> you're saying leave and go
1: to Mexico. Go to Mexico. Uh, but you know <laughs> no, what I, I mean? It, like I it, yeah. it, the casting the vision part is the hardest part. It's yeah. what I think a lot of people don't do is they can't even... So a quick example, I used to be really sort of negative to Seth like for years. I had to actually envision myself saying hello to him when he walked in the door in a kind and loving way. I had to see it in my mind. I had to imagine what it would look like for me to welcome my husband home from work. There was nothing natural about it. Nothing at all. My even pre-disclosure? Pre mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I just didn't grow up that way. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I had to imagine something as small as that. So when I tell you to cast a vision for your healthy marriage, I'm talking about big stuff. Like, let's imagine everything. How do we want to be intimate together? How do we want to talk? Where do we want to live? What cars do we want to drive? How do we want to be with our kids when they're teenagers? Like cast a vision, give yourself a vision to walk toward without a vision, the people perish. They don't know where mm-hmm. to go. They don't know what to do. Right. So I think that for me is one of the best ways to get past where you are. If where you are sucks, don't stay there. <laughs> cast a vision and get to Mexico.
0: That's good. That's powerful. I love, I love it. And I love, I love that you brought it down to earth with a really, a really personal example of, mm-hmm. you know what, like I, I had to visualize be nice to my own husband, because I just came from mm-hmm. such negativity and I didn't know yeah. any other way. And so if something's not reflexive, you can make it reflexive. You can practice new ways of thinking and being, and, and you get to own that, whether that person decides to do the work with you or not, like you said, right. you mm-hmm. get to figuratively be in Mexico and maybe literally for you. So hopefully someday.
1: Right. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: oh man, you guys are awesome. So how can people find you? Yeah. Thank you so much. So they can find us on
2: Instagram, super active there at Anatomy of Marriage. And if people want to know more about coaching, we also do high performance marriage coaching. This is what we do full time, right? Aside from podcasting. And we're in it. We're 100% there for our clients who know that they... It's like, okay, what do I need to tweak right here to get more out of Mm -hmm. myself, to get more out of my marriage, out of my family? I want your listeners to go to thestudleys.com forward slash coaching. And schedule a free call with us. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it, get you on board, get you yep. hooked up. So just uh, thestudleys. dot forward slash coaching or anatomy marriage on Instagram,
0: Facebook, yeah, and podcast, yeah. And I'll put all those links yeah. in the show notes so people can find you easily. But guys, thank you so much for jumping on the show with me today and just talking about this stuff. I mean, not not only just your own experience in your marriage and everything else, but all the things you're doing to help other people. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank thanks you so much, much for man. It's us. real, and uh, yeah. it's conversations that need to be happening. So. Thanks man. Once again, I want to thank Seth and Melanie for joining me on the podcast. Aren't they great? I thought they were so great on this. I just love the interview with them. They're so dynamic and they're so open and real about their own story and offering lots of hope and support to couples. You can find them, like they said, on their podcast, Anatomy of Marriage and Anatomy of Sex and Anatomy of Family. They are so busy and they've got a lot of great things going on, lots of resources for couples. And if you're interested in their high-performance marriage coaching, you can visit them at thestudleys.com forward slash coaching and book a free call to see if it's a good fit for you. I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Look me up there, Jeff Stewart. Would love to connect with you on there. I'm always sharing content and stuff to support you and your relationships. And of course, on my website, I've got online courses and all kinds of other offerings and would love to have you subscribe to my newsletter and get regular updates. I love supporting, helping, inspiring. Just like the Studleys, there's a lot of people out there hurting and we need strong voices and good information out there. So I definitely wanna be part of your solution and help you get the answers that you need. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast. Leave a rating and a review. It makes a huge difference so people can find this life-changing information. You just never know who you might help by doing that. So thank you so much for all of your support. Keep in touch with me. Let me know how this is going for you, what you need. I'd love to hear ideas, suggestions, feedback about the show. I actually really do listen and implement a lot of the feedback I get from people. It makes such a huge difference knowing what is helping and what is not. I look forward to joining all of you in the next episode of this podcast.